Hello there, my dear friends. As you know, this last week was a pretty devastating one for all of us opera aficionados. With the unexpected death of Renata Scotto last Tuesday at the age of 89. I had planned on producing a full episode on Scotto this week, but honestly, not to be overly dramatic about it, but I am terribly bereft and I can just barely say her name, much less listen to her voice without bursting into tears right now. So I need some time to prepare that episode because I want to do a suitable tribute to a singer whom I heard live more than any other and who influenced me and changed my life in such enormous ways. So for now, let's just listen to her sing the a cappella choral section of the Libera Me of the Verdi Requiem. This is a live performance from Bulgaria in 1976. Rest in peace, dear Renata Scotto. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world. Thank you for joining me on that path. This week's episode. So, everyone, we have a happier event to commemorate today. The 90th birthday, just a few days ago, of the great Janet Baker, another singer who has influenced me and affected me so very, very deeply. I've already done two full episodes on Janet Baker, but why should I let that stop me? I could do a full podcast featuring only Janet Baker. I love her that much. So I have gone into my archives, if you will, and found a bunch of recordings that might surprise you. 
We're also going to hear some repertoire with which Baker is very closely associated, but in performances that are less widely circulated. This is the way I do things. You know that. Janet Baker was quite celebrated for her operatic portrayals, but only in the United Kingdom. She never performed staged opera outside of the UK because the rehearsal period was always too long for her. She didn't like being away from home for that amount of time. In 1977, with Scottish opera, she sang the Komponist, or I really should say the Composer, in Ariadne of Naxos. From that live performance, we have the end of the prologue, the composer's ecstatic praise to music. This performance is conducted by Norman Del Mar. And as the music master, we briefly hear Malcolm Donnelly.
Janet Baker is one of the greatest singers of the English language that I have ever encountered. She has a way with conveying the essence of the words and pronouncing them with such clarity that that in and of itself becomes an expressive device. But then fused with her intense way of connecting with the text and her voice vibrating with that meaning, it takes us to another level altogether. This is from an early recording of hers, an album of English song, which she recorded in 1963 for the Saga record label. Her pianist here, as for most of the first 10 years of her career, is Martin Isep, who was also the son of her voice teacher, Helena Isep. This is a song called To the Queen of Heaven by an English composer not so celebrated, but enormously skillful, named Thomas Dunhill, who lived from 1877 to 1946. This is one of a handful of songs that he composed that are still performed with regularity and well-treasured by lovers of song. One of Janet Baker's earliest operatic successes was singing the title role in Henry Purcell's Dido and Aeneas. The role fit her like a glove, and in fact she also performed the Berlioz Didon many times in her career. One of Baker's most celebrated early recordings was her recording 
of Dido and Aeneas with the conductor Anthony Lewis in the year 1960. And her operatic training took place in the chorus at Glyndebourne in the late 1950s. We're going to celebrate both of those associations, the role of Dido and her long-standing and career-long association with Glyndebourne in this next excerpt, a 1966 live recording of Janet Baker singing not Dido's Lament, but rather her first aria, Ah, Belinda, I Am Pressed with Torment. This recording's from 1966, live from the stage of Glyndebourne, and the conductor is the redoubtable John Pritchard.
Janet Baker's closest association with a contemporary composer was no doubt with Benjamin Britten. He wrote the role of Kate in his TV opera, Owen Wingrave, with her in mind, and his last major vocal work, the dramatic cantata Fedra, was written expressly for her. But another composer, with whom Baker had a less celebrated but very fruitful association, was Britain's older colleague, William Walton. In 1954, Walton, inspired slash driven by the success of Britain's early opera Peter Grimes, set about to make his own operatic endeavor. As the basis for a subject, he chose Geoffrey Chaucer's dramatic poem, Troilus and Cressida, which was refashioned by the librettist Christopher Hassall into the opera that is now known by that very name, Troilus and Cressida. The role of Cressida was originally designed for a certain German soprano whose name is never to be spoken on this podcast. <laughs> But uh, in 1976, when the opera was being revived for Covent Garden, he refashioned the role of Cressida for the voice of Janet Baker, who performed it opposite the American dramatic tenor Richard Cassily as Troilus. The drama is based post-Trojan War, and two opposing forces are brought together by some rather sneaky characters with ulterior motives of their own. And through a series of misunderstandings, both Troilus and Cressida end up dead at the end of the opera. We're going to hear from the first act the extended aria, How Can I Sleep? This is a live recording from Covent Garden in November 1976, in which Lawrence Foster leads the orchestra.
Janet Baker, of course, was celebrated for her portrayal of Penelope in Monteverdi's Ritorno d'Ulisse, which she sang at Glyndebourne and I think a few other venues in the realization now considered outdated by the conductor and harpsichordist Raymond Lepard. In 1971, Janet Baker also appeared in a much less expected role, that of Popea in The Coronation of Popea, which she performed live in a production at the Sadler's Wells Opera, which shortly thereafter became English National Opera, or ENO. If one were to choose a role for Janet Baker from The Coronation of Popea, one would no doubt choose the role of the slighted, betrayed, and eventually banished Empress Ottavia. But in this production, Janet Baker portrayed Popea. And even though she is very much cast against type, she gives a delicious characterization of the scheming Popea. Very sensuous, very sexy, very sinuous. We hear a scene toward the end of the first act. The scene takes place just after Popea and Nero have once again gone at it. She sings quite languorously and seductively about how she hopes that she pleases him as much as he pleases her. The original Italian text here is Come dolci, signor, in the translation by Geoffrey Dunn. It's Did I Please You, My Lord. This is a live recording led by none other than Raymond Lepard from November 1971 on the stage of the Sadler's Wells Opera. We briefly hear the voice of Robert Ferguson as Nero. I love you. Oh, 
she may have proved herself to be a surprisingly convincing seductress, but Janet Baker's artistic personality is much more associated with the music of a composer like Johann Sebastian Bach, whose work she performed with great nobility, intensity, commitment, and its own kind of passion. And speaking of the passions, her performance of the arias from the St. Matthew Passion is extraordinary and documented in various live and studio recordings. She also sang all of the major choral works and many of the solo cantatas of Bach. We're going to hear a 1966 recording that was somewhat less highly circulated, in which Janet Baker is accompanied by Neville Mariner. This is the aria Ich folge dir nach from the cantata Seet, Wir gehen hinauf gen Jerusalem, cantata 159. This is an exquisite cantata, and this aria is one of his loveliest. It features also a chorale sung by the sopranos in the chorus. Here, the St. Anthony singers.
Janet Baker was also an exquisite interpreter of the French repertoire, going all the way back to Rameau and Lully, but also the Mélodie, the French art song that achieved its zenith in the 19th and early 20th centuries. So we're going to hear two different examples of Baker in the French rep. First, we're going to hear from her complete recording of Rameau's Hippolyte et Arissi from the year 1966, the aria Cruelle Mère des Amours, in which she sings under the baton of Anthony Lewis, leading the English Chamber Orchestra.
We shall hear her in Melodie in just a couple minutes. I wanted to first offer a couple other operatic roles in which Baker excelled. Both of them, the so-called pants roles, or travesty parts, which I think certain right-wing Republicans might be very disturbed and confused by. <laughs> anyway, a few months ago, uh, when I began doing weekly bonus episodes, I published a bonus episode of Janet Baker's New York recital debut at Town Hall in December 1966. One of the featured selections on that recording was an absolutely scintillating, blazing performance of Parto Parto, the first aria of Sesto from Mozart's La Clemenza di Tito. Janet Baker later went on to portray the role Vitellia with equal intensity, a role that she sang on stage at Covent Garden about ten years after this performance took place. In this town hall recording, Martin Isep is once again her pianist. Thank you. 
did mention that this excerpt was from a concert, the recording of which I featured on a bonus episode a few months ago. So here's my chance to just insert a little bit of self-promotion for my Patreon page. For the increasing number of you who support the podcast, I offer my undying gratitude. My most recent new supporter is Drew, who signed on, I'd say, about two weeks ago. So welcome to you, Drew. And uh, for those of you who want to follow his estimable example, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody, and you can make a pledge, either monthly or yearly, to support the care and feeding of the podcast and your podcaster. Season 5 is about to roll out in just about a month, and the first episode of that new season will be my tribute to the great Renata Scotto. And this week, I think I'm going to offer as a bonus episode one of Renata Scotto's recordings of Italian art song, none of which were ever reissued on CD, which is in and of itself now an antiquated medium. Anyway, do consider becoming a supporter. It means a lot to me. It allows me to continue to produce the weekly episodes. So, with that said, let's return to our birthday girl, the beloved Janet Baker. In 1975, Janet Baker, who was recording at the time for EMI Records, was paired with another EMI star, the American coloratura soprano Beverly Sills, in a recording of... Bellini's I Capuletti e Montecchi, the Capulets and the Montagues, based, of course, on Romeo and Juliet. Sills was just beginning to show signs of vocal wear, and this was directly before she portrayed the role of Giulietta on stage for the first time. Janet Baker, on the other hand, is at the absolute prime of her career, though she never sang the role of Romeo on stage. As recently we heard in that recording of a duet from Verdi's Don Carlo, which featured Gundula Janowitz and Franco Corelli, sometimes singers who apparently don't have that much in common can really strike sparks. In the case of Baker and Sills, yes, it's true on a certain level. These singers really did not have all that much in common. But considered from the angle of their interpretive intensity, for one, and their vocal prowess, they had quite a bit in common. So we're going to hear the duet Vieni a Vieni from the end of the first act of I Capuletti e Montecchi, in which Giuseppe Patanè conducts the new Philharmonia Orchestra. Thank you. 
Now let us consider, however briefly, Janet Baker's career as a song recitalist, because in some ways this was the repertoire in which she achieved her greatest and most lasting worldwide success. In 1960, she went into the BBC studios to record a number of songs by Johannes Brahms with the British pianist Ernest Lush. From that series of recordings made in September 1960, we hear the song O wüsste ich doch den Weg zurück, which Brahms set to a text by Klaus Groth. It was published as Heimweh, Opus 63, number 8. It is set as a lullaby of sorts, in which the singer expresses the great wish to return to the land of childhood and to his mother's arms. Even here, in this, the earliest recording that we're hearing today, already Janet Baker's many virtues are on full display. That beautiful, burnished tone with its melancholy plangency, her intense connection with the words, all of these make her an ideal interpreter of Lieder and of the songs of Brahms in particular.
Now let us consider Janet Baker's performance of French Melodie. Of course, she performed the orchestral song cycles of Ravel and Berlioz with enormous success, memorably over the course of her career, and I encourage you all to seek out those recordings. She was also a wonderful interpreter of the piano-accompanied songs by Gabriel Fauré and other French composers. And right in between, there's that wonderful genre, the chamber song, in which the voice is accompanied not by a full orchestra, but by a small chamber ensemble. In 1967, Janet Baker made one of her most memorable recordings with the Melos Ensemble of such chamber songs by Ravel, Chausson, and the odd man out, Maurice Dulage, who lived from 1879 to 1961, and one of whose most memorable compositions was for such an ensemble. It's called Quatre Poèmes Hindus, Four Hindu Poems, and it was composed in the year 1912. It uses an instrumental ensemble comparable to that used by Arnold Schoenberg in his Sprechstimme song cycle Pierrot Lunaire, which is cited as a direct influence on Dulage in the composition of this work, which is considered his first masterpiece. For me, the most beautiful of the songs is the second one, entitled La Or, which takes a French-language refashioning of a poem by Heinrich Heine as its source material. The subtitle of the song is Un Sapin Isolé, and it's based directly on the Heine poem Ein Fichtenbaum steht einsam. It depicts a spruce tree standing alone on the bare heights of a snowy mountain in the north. In its isolation, it dreams of a palm tree off somewhere in the east, also alone and isolated, and mourning its own fate. I think the melismatic orientalisms that Delage uses here, which were directly inspired, by the way, by his own trip to India, are an exquisite way of isolating the quote-unquote oriental aspects of this text. This recording is from 1967. Thank you. 
At the age of 50, Janet Baker made the decision to retire from live opera performance, and her farewell to opera was observed with three iconic productions in the 1981-82 season. First was Gluck's Alceste at Covent Garden. Second was her celebrated portrayal of Mary Stuart in an English-language version of Donizetti's Maria Stuarda at ENO. And third was a production at Glyndebourne of the title role of Orfeo in Gluck's Orfeo ed Euridice. I think also with ENO, she did an on-stage filming of her celebrated Julius Caesar. But she continued to concertize following that slowing down of her career, and she made a number of memorable recordings after that as well, including three extended works by Ottorino Respighi, two of which were released on a well-circulated recording, and the third of which, which we're going to hear right now, was issued on a label which went belly-up shortly thereafter. This is Respighi's extended orchestral song, Aretusa, which is based on a text by Shelley, as refashioned by the poet and translator Roberto Ascoli. The recordings from the year 1992 and Richard Hickox leads the City of London Sinfonia. But before I play it for you, I want to tell you a little bit about Aretusa, because I didn't know exactly who she was, and so I have educated myself a tiny bit on the subject. She's a figure in Greek myth who was either a noble character who embodied philosophy and art, or a heartless cocktease. <laughs> Shelley and Respighi favor the former characterization. As described in Shelley's poem, she's playing in the mountains of the Peloponnese and is suddenly confronted by the river god Alfeo, Alpheus, who is so attracted to her that he just feels that he absolutely must possess her. God, these aggressive river gods, honestly. Anyway, she leaps into the water to flee him and he chases her underwater all the way to a small island near Siracusa in Sicily, at which point she is turned into a bubbling spring to protect her from the aggressive Alfeo. This is all very actively characterized in the song, and you can clearly hear the different sections. In the final section, there is an absolutely exquisite depiction of that bubbling spring into which Aretusa is transformed. In terms of Janet Baker's vocal performance here, I want to draw your attention to how her tone remains distinctively hers and how the firmness that we heard more than 30 years earlier in her Brahms performance is still very much in evidence here as she nears the age of 60.
Probably the composer with whom Baker is most closely associated is Gustav Mahler. Her performances of his song cycles, his symphonies, which featured orchestral songs, including the quasi-song cycle Das Lied von der Erde, these are all extremely well documented. What I would like to play for you today 
is a 1966 recording made for the BBC and not terribly well circulated of one of the songs from the German folk collection Des Knaben Wunderhorn. This is the most haunting of those songs, Wo die schönen Trompeten blasen, in which a young maiden hears trumpets sounding in the distance and she is visited by the ghost of her dead lover who has been killed in the war and who tells her that within a year they will be reunited. Baker herself provides the spoken introduction, and then the song is accompanied once again by Martin Esep. Apart from her great qualities as an artist, Kathleen Ferrier did a service for us, the singers of the next generation. She wasn't a typical contralto of the old tradition, although she sang all the regular repertoire. She also tackled things like the Mahler das Lied von der Erde, which is really a mezzo work. In England, singers are put into well-defined categories, but the borderline cases, and I'm one, don't fit within these bounds. On the continent, it's usual for the lower voices to sing whatever they find comfortable, and it comes as no surprise that a singer can do St. Matthew Passion, for instance, and also high mezzo roles on the stage equally well. But the attitude in this country is gradually changing, and it's a good thing. I know for a fact that a number of contraltos have very big ranges, most suitable for operatic roles, while still being able to sing Bach. I hope the day will come when no one is labelled, and one is chosen for a work because of suitability, and not because one is supposed to be in a specific category. I mentioned Mahler a few moments ago. I love singing his works for the very reason that I can use my range to its full extent. Here's a song from the Knaben Wunderhorn, Wo die schönen Trompeten blasen.
I hope you have enjoyed this tribute to one of my most beloved singers as she has celebrated her 90th birthday. As I mentioned earlier, there are two other countermelody episodes also devoted to this magnificent artist, which I hope you will also check out. I'll post links to all of those on my link tree. And I want to conclude with something that might surprise you. This is from a live Carnegie Hall recital that Janet Baker gave in the year 1969. And she concluded the recital with Joaquino Rossini's Non Piumesta, the rondo from La Cenerentola. Baker never sang, as far as I know, any Rossini on stage. But man, she gives all those Rossini mezzos a run for their money. I think this is one of the finest and most exciting versions of this aria that I have ever heard. And I made the decision today to end not with her usual encore of Oh Had I Jubal's Liar by Handel, but rather with this surprising and completely delightful performance of Non Piumesta.
Janet Baker, happy belated birthday to you and to all of my listeners. Keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach.